And one thing the church has done as we move into this new tradition, even before COVID, we cut out the testimony. So I never get a chance to hear Gail's story about her cancer journey. I never get a chance to hear how she was racked with pain and had to go doctor's appointment to doctor's appointment. All I can see is what she posts. She looks great. Okay. But I never get a chance to hear how she fell apart in the car when all of that was over. So when you don't share your testimony and you continue to wear your Wonder Woman cape, your Wonder Woman t-shirt, you know, your Superwoman glam, I never get to hear your struggle. I never get to hear, have you healed? Or are you putting on the Mac and the foundation to cover it up? Welcome to Black Addict. I'm Tia Price. And I'm Gail Brown. And we have been on hiatus for how long, Gail? How long has it been? About four weeks? Four weeks. But we're back. Definitely we're back. And we're still black. (laughs) (laughs) Are still black. That will never change. And people will keep reminding us of that day in and day out. Day out. (laughs) (laughs) But we had a good hiatus. It was good to step back and recharge because we had been going at it and at it and constantly, constantly doing this, doing that, recording this, thinking about topics, you know. So it was a restful time, but it was fun. We got in an adventure during our time off. Mm-hmm. We had our first like emceeing event. I we-, we were a hit. <laughs> <laughs> we did get a lot of great feedback. And remember, people were taking pictures with us and mm-hmm. insisting on, you know, basking in our glow because I do think we bring energy. We do bring energy to a room. An event. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we look forward to emceeing many more events uh, coming up. And we look forward to meeting people and, you know, talking to you, finding out what you want to hear on our podcast. It's really been a great time to just step back. Now, Gail, I have to tell you, I had a really strange week this week. Really? What happened? Well, you know, as you know, my mother passed away a while ago when we were in college. And Mm -hmm. oddly, out of the clear blue, I had a vivid visitation, I would say, from my mother in a dream. Now, you know, I have these vivid dreams in general, but I have not mm-hmm. had a, a dream from my mother in, I'm going to say, a good 20 years. Oh, wow. So it was just so intense. We were at my daughter's graduation that's coming up. There was my sister and my husband and kids. And my mother walked in and she walked right up to me and walked and sat down in the bleachers. And wow. I said to my sister, oh my God, you know, did you see? My mother's here, Ma's here. And my sister was just standing there in shock. And we were watching her go to the seat. And then I noticed my father was there in the stands. You know, my father's passed away also. Right. And I turned to this woman, I said, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. You know, do you see this? You know, my mother is here, my mother's here. And it's my aunt who's passed away. And I got so like filled from this dream. I started yelling out, you know, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. They're here. You know, they're Mm -hmm. here. And I'm still getting emotional right now. I got so emotional. I woke my, actually Rodney woke me up because he 
could tell. Mm-hmm. I have vivid dreams, but he could tell I was breathing differently and I was really having these effects. And I woke up and he goes, what's going on? I said, I saw my mother. I haven't seen her in so long. And I started weeping and weeping. And from that, I realized, have I really healed from that experience? I mean, of course, you never get over or past Mm -hmm. passing. But the intense feeling that I had, and then I started thinking back, you know, in college, my mother passed away. I had to come back to school and graduate. I mean, I really didn't have time Mm -hmm. to And it started me thinking about healing. You know, have I really healed from this? Are there things that even so long ago that happened? And again, a mother's death is significant, but it's Mm -hmm. been about 30 some years, you know, since this has happened. Did I really heal from it? Wow. That's amazing. That's And I think it also goes to show you that she's never really left you. Right. I mean, it was a powerful message, yeah. I mean, the message, but it still affects me. I mean, it has been carried this entire week. Mm-hmm. I've been just, you know, randomly crying or just been not from sadness, just letting it out, I guess. Healing. Healing. Well, how timely, yes. because we have a guest this week who can help us think about healing and help us to heal. And so I'd like to introduce Reverend Krista L. Forbes. Krista received her calling into ministry in 2006 and immediately began serving as an associate minister. She earned her Master of Divinity with a concentration in women's studies from Princeton Theological Seminary and was ordained through the Progressive National Baptist Convention. Reverend Krista has gained a diverse ministerial experience that comprises of pulpit supply as a worship liturgist and preacher, community outreach and healthcare chaplaincy. As a chaplain, she provided spiritual support to patients in crisis, their families, and clinical staff. Her chaplain journey includes a tour in geriatric care, the Veterans Administration Hospital, a skilled nursing facility, and hospice. She gets her greatest joy when she can lead Bible study classes and spiritual formation discussions with women to be empowered, to grow, and to heal. And so this is exactly what she's going to do with us today. Currently, Krista serves as the director at Pixis Partners Health Equity Consulting Firm. She focuses on an outreach and engagement for community stakeholders in the All of Us Research Program a research database project supporting precision medicine initiative coordinated by the NIH. Welcome, Krista. Hey, y'all. Hey. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. I appreciate it and being here with you all this morning. Sure, sure. You have a very impressive bio, and I wanted to make sure we get that all in because people need to know that you are an experienced person who can help people heal, and you have done it in so many ways and so many levels. And so welcome to our Black Edit podcast. Help us heal, Krista. (laughs) Well, I'm going to try. I'm going to try. And you know, and it's funny because there is no prescription or remedy is not a little pill. I have found that the best way to get your healing is to go through the process, embrace it as a journey and to pick the lessons. You know, even Tia, as you were sharing your story about the visions you've had, something like death, we will never truly 
heal from. We will never forget. There has been, oh goodness, over 30 years. I was a teenager when my father passed away. And, you know, every year I still remember and I still feel and I still see, and and it goes beyond looking at pictures. But what I've done is rather than resonate on the absence of the father, what were the lessons you can learn from the engagement with your parents, not necessarily focusing on, you know, the last argument or the last things that were said or the negative, which we tend to do. And when we begin to focus on that negative, I believe from a holistic approach, it seeps into our being, it goes down to our soul or our core, and that's where it festers. And when we hold on to things, any negative energy, any negative experience, that's what we need healing from. And so, you know, it's been, as you were reading my bio, I was like, wow, I see the move of God and how God has literally taken me on this journey. Because when I was in hospice, you know, you're there, you're in hospice or even hospital chaplaincy, you're there because of a physical need. Mm -hmm. You know, you've had a heart attack or you've gotten cancer or you're broken a bone, whatever it is, you're there for a physical reason. But as I began to talk to patients and do inpatient visits, the conversation quickly went from the doctor's diagnosis to something that's going on in their environment, something going on at home. Particularly, I saw this trend with women patients, female patients who had a lot of functionality, be it dysfunctionality or good functionality, right? But a lot of functionality in the home space. So while they're on the bed, hospital bed, they're worrying about their child going to school or they're worrying about their adult children staying out of trouble or worrying about things. And mm-hmm. so, you know, and oftentimes when I talk to the doctors about those patients, hey, did you know that patient Y also has this going on at home? Because if you don't address that in your treatment plan, she's going to be here again. Mm-hmm. She's going to stay here longer because the healing has not taken place. So healing in a physical sense, how it manifests and certainly healing on a spiritual sense. So I say all that to say, thank you for having me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one thing you brought up or I'm thinking about is as women, do we often suppress the pain? So I'm giving you that example of my mother. And I had to, as you said, I have to keep going. I have to keep Mm -hmm. moving. And I really don't have time to sit. There are things that have to get done. Do we suppress things and think it's gone? Oh, absolutely. It's called the Wonder Woman Syndrome. It's called being Wonder Woman, trying to do everything. It's called being Superwoman. I got this. I can do this. I got this. I got to keep it moving. Yes, you do have to keep it moving. And no one is ever saying sit and fester and don't do everything else. But sometimes there is a necessity and there is a need to sit. I like to use, and when I think about healing, I like to use in very plain, pragmatic terms, right? So think about when you stub your toe, you hurt your foot, right? You know, especially as women, we it, the last thing we want to do is drop anything on the big toe or the pinky toe, because that's going to mess us up. 
with walking, with shoes, with mm-hmm. a whole lot of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But when you do hit your toe, you have to immediately get off of it. You have to sit down, get the <laughs> pressure off of it, right? Mm-hmm. Then you can kind of say, all right, is it broken? You can assess the damage, assess the injury. Right. How deep is this? How bad is this hurting? Then you can move to the care. Do I need ice? Do I need a splinter? Do I need some rubbing alcohol? Maybe I just need some green rubbing alcohol. <laughs> Amen. Amen for the Southerners. Green alcohol. <laughs> you know, what do I need for that? But if you just kind of get up and go as if you never hit your toe, that's when the, the journey to healing gets prolonged. That's when it goes from a hit toe, broken toe to now a, a foot that had the injury has now impacted the whole foot. So there is definitely, and we as women are famous for this and particularly women of color. I have engaged with Hispanic women, brown women, Asian women. And when you really talk to them, it's really a sense of oppression that has happened to all women of color. And I would even say white women, they go through their own different scenarios of oppression right? As women. So when you're talking about women and this need to project this perfect picture, this need to project not being too strong, but not being too weak, not being too fill in the blank, all that is doing. And from a spiritual perspective is saying, God, you may not have gotten it right and you didn't do it right. So let me help you. Mm. And that too becomes a very important piece to our healing. Where is God in your process? Mm -hmm. Where is your relationship with God? Not saying you got to be the deaconess on the front pew with the little doily hat and the long skirt, but how do you engage with God about what you're going through, be it big or small? Right. You know, that's a great analogy, stubbing your toe, because, you know, when you stub your toe, everything stops. Girl, <laughs> the whole world has just caved in. Yes. So wrong. <laughs> and everybody around you stops and yeah. to make sure you're OK. Mm-hmm. And we need to do that in all of our situations. One thing that strikes me, and I tell people this often, I, as you know, had breast cancer, mm-hmm. went through the rigmarole chemo, you know, radiation, surgeries, all that. And I feel like I took it in stride, kind of, sort of. I tried not to let it be, define me. Mm -hmm. And I tried to always stay positive. Mm -hmm. And at my last treatment, my last radiation treatment, I was so excited that it was over. Right. But I got in my car and fell apart Mm -hmm. by myself in a parking lot. I lost it. Mm-hmm. I was boohooing uncontrollably. Mm. It was like everything just came crashing down on me mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it was then that I finally realized what I had been through. Absolutely. And I never took the time to stop mm-hmm. and say, okay, Gail, this is what you're facing. I just rolled with it. Yeah. I did and what I had to do and rolled with it, but never stopped. Never stopped. And, and you said something very important. You took it in stride. First question that came to my mind, stride according to who? Because you've never, <laughs> right? I'm assuming you've never had cancer before. 
Mm-hmm. So let's start yep. with that. This was a new experience for you. Even if someone in your family had the same diagnosis of cancer and you watch them and you talk to them, that's still a totally different experience. Mm-hmm. People can write books about their experience of dealing with cancer. The doctor can say, you know, this is how we treat your type of Mm. cancer. But again, that's when I weave my current situation of precision medicine initiatives, because precision medicine talks about the right treatment for the right person, not doing a treatment based on everybody else's study. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and that becomes very important because when you talk about looking and taking things in stride, according to to home. And if it's not according to what God has called you to do, what God has created you for, what God is leading you for, then you now are caught in this tension of needing to fall apart. And that's what the heaviness is what caused you to lose it because yeah. you've been carrying it. Everybody else's burden and everybody else's story and everybody else's journey the whole time you as Gail was experiencing your cancer experience. Mm-hmm. Not saying you weren't talking to God, you were, but you had all these other audible voices as well. And yeah. that's what happens to us. Oh my goodness. We take on so much just from other people being around us. And because we are seen as nurturers and I have to say, we are seen as nurturers. I've been in ministry now. Oh gosh, since 2006. So do the math, 14, 15 years. And I've always served in the church in some capacity, right? Before I got called to ministry. I remember I was serving at a church while I was in seminary and the pastor was like, oh, you're here. All right, well, we're going to get you started and we're going to put you in the youth ministry. No, you're not. (laughs) There is nothing about Krista Forbes's being. And I know this is being recorded and it should be. There's nothing. (laughs) about my being that says I need to be around somebody's child in a youth environment as church. (laughs) Not unless you want that child to come up and be on the wall, spread out like Jesus on the crucifix. That is not my being, right? But there is that assumption. And I know that, and more importantly, God knows that. So meeting God before everybody starts like, oh my God, no, you did. Yes, God already knows, right? So before we assume that I have this nurturing ability on every level, we have to kind of let some of that go because that causes stress. That causes an unnecessary burden that we begin to carry moving into a space to being what people think we should be and not doing what God has called and created us to be. Right. It's like you mentioned earlier, the woman in the hospital. It's like Mm -hmm. she was worried about everything else except herself. And that's, you know, being a mother, we want to protect everybody around us. And I think that's what I did. I wanted to protect people. I didn't want people to feel bad or worry about me. And I I guess I should have let go. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, sometimes there is a benefit of letting go Mm -hmm. for two reasons. Number one, truly that, you know, the coined phrase, let go, let God, you know, and I like to add a tweak to that. You're not just letting go, letting God, you're letting go and remembering, letting God be God, Mm -hmm. right? You're remembering Mm -hmm. in your letting go, you're remembering each and every time God has healed you before. So why in this instance, 
do, are you convinced or do you believe that you won't be healed here? Yes, it's new. Yes, it's a new process. It's a new experience, but there's a pretty good track record, right? But there's also a freedom of letting go because it's also for the other person. Mm. The other person is part of the healing, your healing journey as well. Mm-hmm. Even though you are getting the manifestation of it, the people around you, as long as you provide them space to go and grow, then they can receive the benefit and the blessing and to execute on the things that God has called and created them to do. Mm-hmm. You are a conduit for their healing. You are wow. going to pass through for them to heal. So if you're trying to fix everything and fix everybody and take care of this one and take care of that grown child and do this for that grown adult and take care of that, then you're, that a grown adult will never learn how, what God will never see God for themselves in their lives. And when the rubber hits the road and when crisis hits, oh, they don't need a, their own relationship with God mm-hmm. in that moment. That is deep. <laughs> I got to sit on that because, yeah. you know, What I'm hearing you say is sometimes when we do let go in front of people or we do express the pain we're in, or we do show that vulnerability Mm -hmm. to that person, they may be learning things from having to react to that or having to leave with that experience. So as I'm going through something, I can be educating, healing, and helping others to learn. I've never thought about that in that way before, that my pain can be a healing for someone else and expressing it. I'd like to add too, I have to go back to Black women. We have that stereotype, or maybe it's even a truth, that we are strong. And -hmm. therefore, we shouldn't be showing these things. At work, at home, we have to always be the rock that people make less of us if we cry or we show emotion or weakness. Do you have any thoughts on that? I sure do. I have a whole lot. (laughs) (laughs) This will be part two podcast. So where that first, is it the stereotype or is it the truth? It is not the truth. That is not of God. I can only speak of truth and from a place of what God said I need to do, right? That is not of God. There is not a scripture. And I have read several and read a lot of them. There is not a scripture to be found that a woman is to be that strong and that truth. The Proverbs 31, where, where can we find a virtuous woman? I will go again on record, Krista Forbes. I cannot stand that scripture primarily because it sets women up to be this virtue to be this perfect vision of themselves, not keeping and ultimately forgetting that scripture was written by a man who had a whole lot of faults. And it comes under the book of Proverbs, comes under, you know, just, it has a lot of faults to it. So I'm going to just go there. Amen. As a womanist scholar. So there is no truth to that. It is based on society and it comes from a, a place in history and place in our genealogy, if you will, in our struggle as Blacks, as Black women and as Black families. So you had to generationally, it started off and I can go back as far back as my grandmother who had to be strong because she was, it grew up of course, in the early 1900s, 
in Martinsville, Virginia. Her father was a sharecropper. She was one of 17 and there was no place. And those of that generation will tell you there was no place for weakness because racially what was happening, you would die. So if in order to survive, you had to be strong. You had to keep going and keep going. Fast forward to the next generation, my mother's generation. There's still a lot of Jim Crow laws and a lot of that issues, those isms, I would say, that are going on. So that got passed down to her. She passed it down to us. We pass it down. So all of this generational stuff that gets passed down. But when you are looking at all of that, you have to pause as a woman of faith. I have to ask, where is God in all of that? If you are now absolutely 21st century, we do need to be aware and not just be stagnant. But if we are at the point where we allow our strength to cross over to a, I can handle everything, is God enough? Are you saying God is enough? Scripture says, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about the lilies of the field. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear. Only worry about today because tomorrow has enough worry on itself. So why are we worrying about things that we will not control anyway? Let God do that. God created us for a whole array of beautiful things. But if we don't go on this healing journey, we may never get to the point of our purpose here on life. And that's what keeps us swirling as well. Not being identified, being able to identify with our purpose. Why are we here? Why did I have to go through all of that? Tia, you mentioned the storytelling. We grow from each other's testimony. Depending on where you were in church or your church experience, I remember growing up in Virginia in the Baptist tradition and used to have prayer and worship before church service start. You would come a little early. So the old saints would do testimony time. You remember, I don't know if you all remember testimony. Good Lord. Testimony would be, I like to give honor to God, who is the light of my life, right? So that long 15 minute preamble, <laughs> but <laughs> wrapped up in that eventually. <laughs> right. We all remember that. <laughs> we all remember that. Wrapped up in that eventually was the testimony of how someone got over. And one thing the church has done as we move into this new tradition, even before COVID, we cut out the testimony. So I never get a chance to hear Gail's story about her cancer journey. I never get a chance to hear how she was racked with pain and had to go doctor's appointment to doctor's appointment. All I can see is what she posts. She looks great. Okay. But I never get a chance to hear how she fell apart in the car when all of that was over. So when you don't share your testimony and you continue to wear your Wonder Woman cape, your Wonder Woman t-shirt, your Superman glam you know, your superwoman glam. I never get to hear your struggle. I never get to hear, have you healed or are you putting on the Mac and the foundation to cover it up? Wow. Gail, where's the bell? (laughs) I can't hear it. (laughs) Ding, 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 ding. (laughs) Ding, ding, ding. 
ding. I have to back on that one because that brings us to the next question then. Mm -hmm. One, well, let's just go to this question. How do you start the healing process? You go back to the analogy of stubbing your toe. You sit down. First thing you do is sit down. Assess the injury. Be honest with yourself as to what is hurting you. It's not the other person. Yes, he left you. He cheated on you. She dogged you out. She took your money. She took your man. She took your job. He did this. Yes, all of that happened. But what was it that when it happened, it moved you, it jarred you inside? Was it the disrespect? Was it the lie? Was it the feeling of inadequacy? Was it the feeling of insecurity that rose up? Because you, you're macked and glammed up. And then when that happened, you're like, oh, I just got exposed. It, what was it? You can only identify that after you sit down. You sit down, you do an assessment. Once you have been honest with yourself, you then move into what I would like to call the revelation of, okay, God, what is going to be my care plan? The care plan. How are we going to treat this thing? (laughs) How are we going to get on this road to healing? I will say, and this is the part why a lot of people don't get healed, because first thing out there, but after you acknowledge God, that that sometimes that can be the easy part, but God is going to require you to forgive. (laughs) I know, because I said the F word. Yeah. (laughs) It's not easy. Uh, It's not easy. God, and there again is not one scripture that says it is. That's why when the scripture does lift up, there is a text that lifts up that says, how many times do I have to keep going to this joker to forgive this joker? And the response, seven times, seven, seven times, which means it's going to end. There's power just in that phrase, right? That means number one, that joker going to hurt you a whole lot. Seven times 70 is an indication of how many times that person is going to come and ask for forgiveness, indicating that that is how many times that person is going to hurt you to begin with. Is There is going to be disappointment, right? So first you have to get into forgiveness. Forgiveness is not for the other person. It is for yourself. You forgive that person. That person does not have to accept you're forgiven. That person does not have to change. That person does never have to acknowledge their wrongs. I'm going to pause right there and say hallelujah, because that is a reminder for myself, right? I'm human. So it's like, <laughs> woo, I got to be reminded of that myself. That person is not going to change. That person will never come back and say, Gail, Tia, Krista, I'm sorry for saying, for doing. Not going to happen. That doesn't stop me from forgiving them. Now, is that part of the care plan? Yep, forgiveness. Is for, okay, all right. Is that the first part of, that's, I guess that's the second one. That, you know, you stop, you assess, stop, and then stop, you forgive. Forgive, and then wrapped up in there is also a love of self. Mm-hmm. Scripture says you must love your neighbor as yourself. That part is key because the reason why we treat our neighbor the way we do is because we're reflecting ourselves. Ourselves is in the reflection when we look in the neighbor. We look at the neighbor and the reason why that neighbor gets on our nerves is because there is still something in us that we are grappling with. 
that we are not handling. Because if that person, if my neighbor, if I was truly loving my neighbor to, in the full being, then I will love myself in the full being. But we have to be honest as we're rubbing that toe. How often do you really love yourself? Do you really love everything about yourself? Even the imperfect parts. Do you love and can you sit being imperfect? There are women today in their 50s, 60s, who've never gone to the movie by themselves, who refuse to eat in a restaurant alone. (gasps) Clutch the pearls. (laughs) Why? Because, and they will tell you, oh my God, that looks so depressing. That looks so, that looks so, that's your reflection in the mirror, that there is something that tells you, you can't be alone. And I don't mean living alone and forever alone, but we're talking two hours at the day. You can't sit in a restaurant by yourself for an hour. You can't go to the movies by yourself for two hours. And what I'm hearing you say and enjoy your company. Know yourself, love yourself, and have joy in out of your own being. A lot of people, <laughs> and if you all have ever been around me, I am, I'm silly. I would probably say some extra silly before we get out of here today, right? I, that's <laughs> who I am. I have read, and I used to be awkward and used to feel very uncomfortable about that, honestly. And then it hit me midway through, I would say, 30s or 40s. And certainly now I reflect that I am a combination of my father, who I love. And we talked, this started off earlier about, you know, the passing of the father. And so those lessons, he never met a stranger that was on his obituary. He never met a stranger. I welcome that presence in my life and that ability and capacity. And then more importantly, this joy I have, I went through a lot to get to this level of joy. This joy I have, the world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. away. And I've healed. And that's the outcome of my own healing journey that I'm still on with some areas, right? And Mm -hmm. healing never ends. Mm -hmm. It starts with an acceptance and acknowledgement of God after you sit down. It continues with finding out how deep that injury goes. It goes through an assessment, a care plan, which goes to forgiveness, which talks about love of self. And then as you're going through and you know you're healed, when you just start having this joy. So you say healing doesn't end. Uh -uh. There does come joy. Yeah. And healing doesn't end because it's going to be tests of healing. (laughs) I love images. Sorry. But another analogy, your foot is healed. You're not limping anymore. You don't even realize you're not limping. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, when you get to that table, that corner, that toe out in the first place, you kind of look at it side eye like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. I know you're there. And you'd make sure you're ready for the impact. You make sure you're not walking on it head on. You're doing something, but you are healed. But part of the journey is a continual awareness of what stubbed your toe in the first place. Mm-hmm. You're forgiven. You've forgiven the table. I got a beautiful mm-hmm. brown ottoman. I forgive you, ottoman. I'm not going to take you back to the store. But uh-huh, I know how those table <laughs> legs are now. Mm-hmm. Right? I've healed from it. Mm. I no longer have to walk around with the boot on my foot whenever I approach the ottoman. I've healed, but I'm always aware of its placement. That joy I have, I can enjoy the ottoman. 
I can mm-hmm. enjoy the person that said some very harsh, mean things to me that broke me at, broke my core, bent my core. But this joy I have, he or she didn't give it, he or she can't take it away. Right. And so with that, there is this healing. Now, what you don't want to do is walk around with a crutch when you know you've been healed too. You mm-hmm. have to go through, and this is where you're proving the text, 70 times seven, that's how many times, seven times 70, that's how many times you forgive. That means you don't run in away or avoid. Avoiding is not healing. Avoiding mm-hmm. a situation does not mean you're healed from it. Because how do you know? If you avoid the person, avoid the situation, avoid the family reunions, avoid the wedding, avoid homecoming, you avoid it. You don't know if you healed or not because you won't go into that space that God is calling you to and God needs you to. So God can say, see, I told you I was Jehovah Rapha. I was your healer. You've healed from that. Hmm. Krista, let me ask about like timing. Can you put a time limit on healing? Nope, 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 nope. And the reason why you can't is because what impacts your time is truly your relationship. How quickly you sit down Mm. and deal with steps of acknowledging God, rubbing your foot, forgiveness and love of self. For some people, based on their other experience of a life, that could come very quickly. Some, it could take a whole lifetime. Mm -hmm. The process of healing, the Mm -hmm. timing of healing also speaks to your purpose, fulfilling your purpose here on earth, why you were created. Again, there is no quick remedy. Mm. That is the one thing we can control since we trying to, since we Wonder Woman trying to control everything, right? Right. Control, Control your healing, control how you're going to allow yourself to be vulnerable and go into that space to begin your healing process. But no, unfortunately, Gail, there is no quick answer on that one. And getting to that place where you start to heal Mm -hmm. can take the longest. You know, uh, we were recently at like a reunion of sorts Mm -hmm. and had conversations with people I had not seen in quite some time Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and heard stories (laughs) about how they're still holding on to things that happened So long ago and how it affects their decisions and they're missing. Well, in my opinion, they may be missing out on some joy. They are absolutely missing out on some joy because they are holding on to a hurt memory that was not. They're holding on to a memory. Right. And we all do. So let's Mm -hmm. let's let's set this up. We all hold on to some form of memory again. I remember certain things about my father. I hold on to that. I learned from that. And there's lessons there. Okay, fine. What is the lesson of holding on to something that caused you pain if and and you are not identifying the lesson in your holding on now? And if there is evidence that in your holding on of that pain from before is keeping you from engaging with people, if it's keeping you from experiencing what is happening around you, if it is keeping you from identifying even how you yourself have grown and matured, where you can walk up to somebody and say, yeah, you was a humdinger back then, but Lord, my God, look at me now. Forget, look at you now. (laughs) 
Right. My God in heaven, look at me now that I can even come up to you and say, hey, girl, hey, and keep it moving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> keep it moving. Wow. Yeah, I am hearing this and I am really learning, you know, about myself and how I've been thinking about certain things mm-hmm. and some healing that I have done as well as some healing I need to do. Because in looking at this analysis, there are some things that I feel like, oh, yeah. You know, this process has happened, but there are a few things that, no, I still need to go back and do an analysis as to why it was such a deep hurt in the first place. Mm -hmm. What about you, Gail? This has been a great conversation because it reminds me of things and instances when, you know, I didn't let the healing process occur and, you know, I missed out on some things. What a revelation. What a revelation. And I think that I need to stop, (laughs) reflect, Mm -hmm. forgive, Mm -hmm. and throw away the crutch. Mm. Because how many of us have carried a crutch? (laughs) Girl, got the crutch on the wall just in case we need a piece of art. Listen, eyesight. (laughs) Gold, dipped it in gold, and... (laughs) it around. We have wrapped some <laughs> pearls on it, wrapped some work. lace on it, wrapped, decorated, got it all blinged out. Exactly. Right. And for no, and for what? For the, you know, no, and, and if in fact you have truly healed from that, then why can't you call that person and just say, hey, you know what? Happy holidays. If you've healed from that, why can't you enter and have them enter into your space? You look over and instead, mm, I got to leave out of here and say, you know what? Look at them. Look at God. Look at me. Take the mm. focus off of them and just say, Lord God, look at me. me. I can stay here and I don't have to run. Because you know what's going to happen when you do try to avoid, you're going to turn and you're going to stub your toe on something else and limp out the room. You know it. Trying to run. Mm. Thinking you're doing something. You hobbling out the room looking a hot mess at that point. Right. Right. Yeah. Drawing attention to yourself yes. in a negative way. In a more negative way. You know And God is just saying, listen, my women, my daughters, I've called you to be these wonderful creatures. I've called you to be the salt of the earth, the light in the darkness, the lamp on the hill. But I need you to do it in a way with your testimony, with your everything that you have gone through, the good, the bad and the ugly. So when you put that lamp on the hill, on the high point of the table, and people look up, they see that you've been healed. And now they can say, okay, I can listen, or I can observe them, or I can take a nugget from that person, Mm -hmm. as opposed to looking up and seeing everything that you've got going on. And they're like, "Mm, mm, mm, mm." well, I don't know about that one. Right. You know, another part I'm just going to say really quickly is, you know, we could be holding on to a hurt and a pain and remembering vividly how someone hurt us. Mm -hmm. But that person may not even remember, never gave it a second thought. And I'm not saying, you know, that's because that person is a bad person. It's just something that they just don't remember and they've moved on. But you're still hurting. That person has healed and whatever has gone on, especially when, and we're talking about 
long, old wounds, mm -hmm. old wounds. Oh, Lord, we can hold on. If nothing else, our parents, grandparents, great grands have taught us how to hold on to a grudge. My mm -hmm. God in heaven. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Ooh, we can hold on to some things. That person has actually gotten their healing, which is why you know, they've wrestled with it. We don't know their journey. We don't know their story. We like to assume because it makes us feel better. We like to assume that they went through this and they're just doing this bad stuff and whatever, because we, again, are reflecting our image is being reflected on our neighbor. And mm -hmm. we like to project that our neighbor is broken. Our neighbor is bad. Our neighbor is you know, no good, whatever, because those are the negative elements of ourselves that we are wrestling with and will not come into a place and a space where we need to sit down, rub that toe and do an assessment. We're trying to put ice on something that needs a whole shoe boot. We're trying to put green alcohol. When green alcohol doesn't work anymore, you got to go to the doctor. Mm -hmm. You got to take an x-ray. You might have to get a cast. You might have to break the other toe to set that toe. Ooh, and that's when it's really going to hurt because now there's <laughs> other things happening near you. Wow. I think this has really been so informative and we can sit with this. I'm glad. For some time and help us move through some of the healing, as you said, the old healing. Mm-hmm. And then have this new practice with any other heels, because we know things are going to happen. Mm -hmm. This people, things are going to occur intentionally or not intentionally. But if we have this healing practice, we should be able to move through it a little quicker and be able to get to that point of forgiveness and going through that care plan and self-love. I love it so much. This has been so helpful. Gail, your final yeah, you know, to continue with the toe analogy, you have been stomping on my toes since we started talking. So <laughs> you have really clear, you know, identified some things that, you know, I see more clearly Amen. as part of, of healing processes. So thank you, Krista. I am going to stop and really reflect on uh, what you said. I'm going to replay this a few times <laughs> and look forward to, you know, healing journeys. Yeah. And wrapped in that journey is always grace, love, joy, and peace. Mm. Amen. We leave it there. Thanks again, Krista Forbes. We are so excited that you were able to join us today. And this has been fantastic. And thank you all for joining us as well. Remember to join our Facebook group, Black Added Vibe Tribe, and subscribe to our podcast at Apple, Spotify, Google, really all of the podcast platforms that are out there. We are everywhere. And keep an eye out on upcoming summer events where you can meet with Gail and I in person and we can continue these great conversations. Take care, everyone. Bye. Uh.